Welcome to the Liberty Free to Be podcast. My name's Rachel Peru. Join me as I share a weekly dose of midlife inspiration, where you get to hear from some amazing people who are leaving a trail of inspiration along the way, breaking down midlife stereotypes and proving it's never too late to find your passion and purpose. From health, happiness, mindset to menopause, reinvention to rebelling, no subject is off limits. Living a life of liberty, free to be. Free to be whatever you want to be in midlife and beyond. Welcome back to a new week of Liberty Free to Be. I hope you are enjoying your summer. I'm not going to lie, going away to the Maldives has given me a real kind of boost and made me kind of relax and enjoy the summer even more. So I'm not complaining at all, but it's great to be back and back to it. And some of you may remember that just before lockdown, I entered a competition with BBC Radio Leeds, I think it was a national competition with BBC radio stations across the country looking for new presenters for radio shows. And because I love interviewing people, I also love music, I put myself forward and entered the competition. I actually got down to the last five, which is amazing because I've never had an experience of radio other than doing this. And I, I learned so much from it. And the, the two people that were picked have gone on to do fantastic things. But whilst I was there, I met today's guest. Miranda Araya is an award-winning motivational coach and mental health activist. And we both met outside Radio Leeds one afternoon before we were going in for one of our first sessions. And we were both nervous and we both just hit it off. And I'm so glad that we were there to support one another. And she's constantly on the radio giving great advice and tips and sharing her expertise now. And I love hearing her. So we have got a lot to catch up on and a lot to talk about. Hello. Hello, Miranda. How are you doing? Hi, Rachel. I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And I'm so pleased that we finally get to catch up with each other. And we were thinking um, before we started about when it was we first met outside Radio Leeds. And, and you think it was about 2019. Yeah. An age ago, like a whole world pandemic has happened in, in the meantime, hasn't it? <laughs> I know. And I was saying in the introduction about actually we were both stood outside, both of us nervous um, about what we, we had no idea what to expect about going in for this radio release competition. And actually now, and we'll talk about this a bit later, you're on the radio more than ever, which I absolutely love. Yeah, it just sometimes our manifestations take a little bit longer. But they don't always go in our own timing, do they? Yeah. <laughs> no. So before we get started, Randa, I ask all my guests, how would you describe yourself today in three words and why? Oh, three words to describe myself. Brave, strong, bold. They're just the three words that just, yeah, came out the top of my head. The three Bs. And what, what makes you think of those words immediately? What, what, what do each of those words mean to you? Because I'm living within a theme in my life at the moment of feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And I'm living within this theme in my life of, of acknowledging that courage is not the absence of fear. So I could feel scared every day, but I do it anyway. And it's this acknowledgement of taking action, taking those steps towards what I want to do and what I want my life to look like and how I want to be and show up in this world, regardless of how scared I feel. <laughs> because, you know, for so long in my life, you know, until my very late 30s, really, I, I, I lived within this sort of protector, in inverted commas, of fear 
um, holding me back, you know, from doing what I really, really wanted because I felt afraid. So it felt safe mm. and stay in the comfort zone. But the comfort zone is very overrated. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we you know we need to step out of that if we really want to expand in this world so yeah I think that's why those words really came to the top of my head I love those and you're so true I spent you know my 20s and my 30s in that comfort zone and it's not until I've hit my 40s and now I I seek out opportunities to step out of my comfort zone (laughs) even though it scares the hell out of me sometimes but the rewards after you've done it are definitely worth it absolutely and there's a beautiful quote which I love unfortunately I don't know who said it but it's Everything that you want is on the other side of your fear. Everything mm. you want is on the other side of your fear. Because we kind of we kind of lull ourselves into this sort of belief that within the comfort zone, that's safety. That anything else that's going to feel scary, that's not safety. But the only way we're going to rid ourselves of that fear and teach that younger, probably wounded part of us that, that things are safe, it is safe to go for what we want. The only way we're going to teach that part is if we just do it anyway and go, oh, there, there wasn't really a threat at all for me taking that action to, towards what I really wanted to do. We have got so much to talk about, but I guess we need to start kind of your backstory, really, of how you've got to where you are now, because you do so much. And when you're award winning motivational coach, you, you do so much great work for the mental health industry and, and with working with the NHS. But what's led you to this this point in your life now? Do you know what? It's going to sound quite radical, but it's my suffering that's led me to this point. It's the amount of suffering that I went through as a child, the amount of suffering that I went through through my darkest days and, you know, of, of my own mental health struggles. You know, I was sectioned at a very young age, you know, I was sectioned at the age of 14 um, and, and I had a really, really difficult home life, a difficult school life, difficult life in hospital, lived in there for quite a long time. And then I sort of lived within the mental health system for quite a while. I had my daughter when I was 21 and I was still in and out of the mental health system and going on this journey with my own mental health. But it seems to have led me to a place where that has given me this massive injection of fuel to want to go change things for the better in this life and reach as many people who are suffering as possible possible you know it's like it's like my biggest mission in the world and it's what bring it's what's brought me my joy <laughs> it's like it's it, you know now i live life in 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 mainly uh, peace and joy i really do um you know obviously it got me ups and downs recovery is not an end point i want to be very clear yeah. about that. recovery is not Oh, suddenly, you know, oh, everything's fine now. Every day I'm in peace. Of course, there's fear. Oh, my goodness. Like I said before, it's we're humans. We're humans. Yeah. However, um, it's it's going through those really darkest times that fired me up to to see what what I know my purpose is here now. And, and you know, sometimes we're crafted with these life events that lead us to do what we really need to be doing in this life. And for me, that's certainly been the case. And it seems to me that not only, obviously, you you have healed and you're still on that healing journey, I guess you always will be, but you have really embraced it and learned and gone out there and learned and, and equipped yourself with all that knowledge, haven't you, so that you can help others. So tell us That's... about the work that you are doing now, because you're working with the NHS, you're doing amazing things in the mental health service. Yeah, that is so true, Rachel. Like, yeah, that's another element to like my suffering led me to my knees to be like, there must be another way. And I had to learn how to how to start my healing journey because the mental health system unfortunately wasn't able to meet my needs complex emotional needs you know um, and and past trauma so 
So I, I started doing loads and loads of research. I'm talking about in my 30s now, like really doing all that research after decades of suffering um, and finding different modalities that really worked for me, looking into, you know, inner child healing, looking into self-compassionate practice, looking to the more spiritual field of healing and recovery. And that led me to miraculously um, being contacted by a business manager within a primary care network, one of the largest primary care networks here in Leeds, Andy Haig. I have to give him a shout out because he's just such a, he's changed my life. That guy gave me the opportunity just before lockdown hit. He just said, create something for our patients with mental health problems. Mm. No strict brief. No, you've got to do this exact thing to hit these targets. Just create something for our patients with mental health difficulties. So I started rolling out different workshops, different group work programs, different courses, teaching these like more, more holistic spiritual approach modalities. Although I never use that word spiritualistic or anything like that. I've made it very, very accessible. And um, teaching these to patients across the most deprived areas in Leeds. And I've ended up designing an eight week, 20 hour group work program called the Heroes Group Work Program um, for the NHS. And Heroes stands for Healing, Education and Recovery of Emotional Strength. And we're getting such incredible outcomes with patients who've had really difficult childhood trauma or who are presenting with real difficulties in their life at the moment. We're having incredible outcomes and we're now rolling out to different primary care networks and to different third sector organisations as well. So we'll be rolling out with Beacon Housing um, as well this year. And, and we're just going to be expanding throughout the city. And I'm just, I'm just loving it so much going into train up staff to roll out the programme and then they roll it out for their clientele. This is just amazing, and I, you know, I, I have uh, experience of, of dealing with people like Cam's. My, my young, my eldest daughter suffered with acute anxiety and agoraphobia, so she was homeschooled. And the Cam system up until the age of eighteen was diabolical. Not the the staff's fault because they're amazingly trained, and but they're just so lacking in resources. So the frustration I, I've experienced that as a parent, I know how difficult it is to navigate that. But what I find really interesting is that particularly as we get older, the women that I talk to later in life, I do find that if you get to your 40s, you almost start unraveling all those self-beliefs that you've been kind of, this has been ingrained in us from a young age. But actually going and seeking therapy or going and, and starting to look at that is still this kind of scary, scary place to be. And almost people don't do it because they don't want to talk about mental health openly. Do you think that stigma is changing slowly? I really do, yeah. And I think you're very right there about some people are really frightened to look at the fear. Some people are really frightened to look at their conditioning and their wounding. And this is what we we're talking about at the beginning, like that stepping out of the comfort zone. We're only going to get the rewards if we really, you know, work on ourselves in these certain ways. But as we get older, it, it, it is it does become very much about not even the acquiring of new knowledge, but letting go of everything we're not. It's this, I love that word unraveling that you're using there because it is almost about peeling back the layers of everything we're not. So to be our best version of ourselves, you know, we hear this terminology, be the best ver version of you. We don't have to become anything new. We don't have to acquire anything new. We have to let go of everything that we're not. And I do feel that as we hit in that mid, those midlife years, this is the space at which that, that opportunity starts opening up a little bit more, you know, because we've acquired enough knowledge. We've, we've, we, our brains have had their fill of, you know, putting others before ourselves a lot of the time, especially for those yeah. being parents. 
our brains have had their fill of of like you know toxic media culture in certain ways etc etc you know different uh stuff thrown at us as women our brains have had the fill at that point so we you know many many women in in their uh, midlife years will suddenly start going okay i'm full enough i'm full what do i want to let go of what do I want to release? How do I want to unravel? And it's this de-layering. It's like these peeling off, shedding the skin of these layers of this conditioning and these, these protection mechanisms we've kind of built to protect us that, that, like we said at the beginning, don't really protect us at all. And, and, and part of that is embracing stepping out of the comfort zone, isn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah. I can so relate to that. That's definitely something that I've done, particularly around my own body confidence and body image since my 40s to, to now to 53. I have been unraveling it and letting go of things that have been kind of I've been told over the years that I've been started to believe and then your self-belief kind of takes on these new patterns don't they so it has been a real journey for me but what about somebody that might be listening that that knows that they're carrying all this baggage but they actually don't know where to start even to start unraveling it what do you recommend to somebody that that is conscious that they need to let go of some stuff but the thought of doing that's just too overwhelming and they don't know where to begin. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that because, you know, there's a really, really be- beautiful first step to self-compassionate practice, which is all about acknowledging what we're already dealing with. Because the thing is, if people don't know where to start, of course we don't know where to start if we don't know what we're dealing with. So the first step that I always teach within self-compassionate practice is becoming very, very aware of what is already there. And this, all we need to do with this practice is become very, very aware of what we're talking to ourselves like in our heads. You know, what is, we all have a voice in our heads. It can either be tearing us down or building us up, okay? So, so to start to bring attention and awareness to what is actually going on in our minds, first step, it's very simple. And I want to make it very clear that in this process, we don't have to start to try and change it at first. We don't actually want to. We just want to bring the awareness. Like, oh, that's interesting. I just, I just call myself an idiot when I drop that on the floor. Oh, okay. Okay, that's interesting. I'm beating myself up in this moment for making that mistake. That's interesting. And we just, we just bring the awareness to, okay, this is how I'm dealing with myself. This is how I, this was what my relationship is like with myself. This is the state of my being with myself. Now, when we become aware, <laughs> this is where the light goes on. <laughs> this is where we start to wake up. We're like, oh my God. And like you said about those beliefs that you suddenly realize that you've carried around with yourself, partly from what other people have said to us, you know, these beliefs, yes. things that other people have said that we've believed or, or stuff we've created about ourselves and our identity as a result of trauma or, or difficult experiences, we start to then see them and go, oh my God, I'm telling myself in this moment, I am not capable. Why is that going on? I'm telling myself in this moment that I'm not lovable the way I am and I need to change to be more acceptable. Okay. And then we're facing, we're looking at it in the face. Now that is the point at which we can do something about it. And that is the point at which we can bring in some really gentle tools, you know, that really help us. And, you know, the, the, the other thing that I would say that, you know, to anyone listening who's thinking, oh, my God, that sounds like a lot of hard work. It sounds like, oh, my God, I have to look at myself. I have to witness all this stuff, these years of belief systems. What I would say is that this is not hard work. This is a relief <laughs> because living mm. life, 
without releasing these limiting beliefs. That's hard work. Yes. <laughs> it's really hard yeah. work. It causes yeah. suffering and it causes distress and nobody deserves to live life in that way. And we're not, we're not put here to live life in that way. We're, we're put here to expand and to evolve. And everybody is capable of that. Everybody is limitless in that. Everybody has the power to change. Uh, so, so it's not hard work at all. It's a relief. And once the momentum starts, you know, it's like a dynamo. It will, it will keep yeah. going. The other thing that I find really interesting is because I, lots of women that I've met have done that. But then they've also said that the attitude of other people around them, once they make those changes, is really difficult to keep those boundaries in place. And we hear this word boundaries kind of used across social media all the time. But how easy is it to create boundaries for yourself? And how do you stop feeling almost also people say they feel guilty? For putting themselves first and having these boundaries because other people's reactions to them, they either fear being judged or people are not used to this new version of, of the person that they're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. And relationships do change as we change because as we grow, we either grow together or we grow apart. Yeah. So people in our lives, we do have to recognise that some people in our lives, they just might not be there and they might not be expansive. And if we, if we see ourselves all as like beings vibrating at a certain frequency or energy, you know, motion is an energy. We're all, we're all buzzing at, at certain energies. If we're either aligned or we're not. And, you know, one of the common things that people who come to the group work program say, you know, they might get to week eight and be like, I suddenly don't want to hang around with my friends anymore. Or I suddenly don't want to be uh, around the same people anymore as I used to because they're, they're shifting so much that they might not be aligned anymore. And I guess when it comes to you know other people's reactions because some people can have you know odd reactions they might feel bad about themselves so one of the first things is to recognize that it's not personal you know that if somebody's having a bad reaction to you they might be feel they might be fearing that they're going to lose you because they see you growing and expanding off so to recognize that we don't have to take it personally to recognize that the other person might be in suffering on some level themselves and work with them in that manner you know but also sort of acknowledging that even if certain relationships end or, we, or we're not as called to, to resonate with certain people, the, the space that is opened up by sometimes clearing that way is, is receptive and, and it's filled with receptivity of, of new people's circumstances, life events that are aligned with where we're at. So it's not like, you know, because a lot of people who are on the healing journey often say, similar to what you're saying, they're like, oh my God, I feel really alone in this because I don't know anyone else doing this work on themselves. Yeah. But very rapidly when they start to just embrace that as their highest priority, doing the work on themselves, you know, putting themselves first, they very rapidly start to see, um, you know, that some people melt away or they might have to put boundaries in with certain people. But, but new events come and new people come and, and we're attracted towards different circumstances. Boundaries are very important, you know, and it is something like you say that's kind of bashed about a lot on social media, like a buzz phrase, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, but I would say always that to put ourselves first or to hold self-compassionate practice is not selfish at all because the kinder that we are to ourselves, the more nourishing we are in that relationship to ourselves. We have so much more to give, so much more to give. But it's within our own bubble. It's within our own protection. And 
we were able to serve more people. I mean, we've all experienced it when we've been, when we've had a bad day and we're feeling terrible about ourselves. We snap at people. We don't make eye contact with the woman at the checkout. We're just in a stress, we might have a bit of road rage when we're not feeling good about ourselves. Well, what if you're feeling good about yourself and your relationship with yourself and it was nourishing and nurturing? That light shines out. There's nothing selfish about self-compassionate practice. There's nothing selfish about you putting yourself first. That's you. such great advice, Rhonda, honestly, because, I mean, it's so true, isn't it, that we, we, we've got to put ourselves first, because if we put ourselves first, then everybody else around us will be all right, because we were giving out this, this positive energy, we're more receptive, we're more communicative, it's just, it's more open, isn't it? Yeah, we are more open, because these limiting beliefs that we can see them almost like a defence, like a shield, like this, and we are closed off to connection. If we're not connected with ourselves, it's a lot harder to connect with others. It really is, you know. So, so to work on your relationship with you, oh, it's the greatest task ever given, especially as a woman, you know, when we've been, a lot of us have been brought up, haven't we, to put others first. We really have, yeah. like, we've been, we've been brought up to, you know, especially in terms of being a mother as well. Like, you know, I'm a mother of a 16-year-old and now she's 16. I'm suddenly like, oh, my God, she's off into town by herself. Yeah. Oh God, a whole weekend to myself I don't really even need to like check on her too much or pick her up even or and it's like it's like suddenly oh my god I don't have to just be for another and this is another magic of uh of sort of midlife isn't it as well yeah yeah and it is but it's also also that's the kind of a time where people can have a big wobble because if you are a parent you've got this defined role as a mother and then particularly like I've just gone through the empty desk and so my, my youngest has just finished university, my other two have left home. So that was really, I've actually loved it now, but initially it was like, well, who am I? Where do I fit in this family dynamics? And it's, it's reconnecting with yourself. And that actually can throw up an all, a whole new kind of array of issues, can't it, for people's mental health, because they're scared to even explore what they like doing who they really are, they're finding time for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes you've never been asked that, like, what do you like? So sometimes yeah. it's that rediscovery, that reconnection to self, like, what do I just like to do with my free time where I'm not on duty for someone else? What do I just like to, you know, even, even where, what do I like, what do I want to be? What do I want to do with my life now? This space has opened up. And it can throw up fear for a lot of people. You know, there might be lots of people that really embrace it, like, oh, my God, my independence, yeah. freedom. I think I'm in a place to be able to do that. But I do understand that for, for some women, that could throw up. That could throw up a whole world of, like, what now? Like mm. this like this gaping hole. Well, I should tell you what, that hole, in inverted commas, is filled with possibilities. And we have to keep turning to that question, what is possible here? And be in that space yeah. of receptivity, that inviting in, you know, because Rumi has a beautiful quote. Rumi's like a Sufi poet and he, he smashes out these one line. Well, he's probably passed away now from many years ago. Smashes out these one liners. Um, and he has a quote that says, what you seek is seeking you. And I just love that so much yes. because it's everything you want to be in that frame of mind that, it, it wants you too. It's calling for you, you know, whether you want to like have a career change suddenly, because I know that you did, didn't you? I did. Yeah, no, I started a new career at 46 modelling. And before that, I actually went to university at 41 because I thought I was going to do teaching. So I did a teaching degree. 
So I'm a big advocate for change and, and, and trying new things because you don't know what's going to light you up and ignite you. But it's the same, you know, you, you, you have gone down this whole new career path when you, when you were younger. You had no, no idea that you'd end up doing this. You couldn't possibly have foreseen that. But unless you put yourself out there and try, you'd never know, would you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's like trying. And, and the reason that self-compassionate practice is powerful when we're trying new things and stepping out of the comfort zone is because it doesn't matter if we fail. And, in, and I'm yeah. going to put inverted commas, fail, because there is no failure. Because if we, we're, way more, we're way more able to dare trying new things if we know that if we fall over, we've got a self within us that's going to go, you tried, you did your best. Come on, if we can rely on that relationship within ourselves, if we can trust ourselves enough to know that we've got our own backs, we're a lot more able to try new things because we're not going to sit around beating ourselves up for many, many hours. You know, I've spoken to so many women who are afraid to take certain steps because they're terrified of the beating they're going to give themselves if they yes. fail. Yeah. They're terrified of the guilt they're going to put themselves through if they fail. I don't know if I could live with myself if I did it wrong. You know, what if I regret? It's like living with an abuser in your mind. You know, mm. we need to ask the other question. What if I'm able to build that relationship with myself to a point where I know I've got my own back through everything? And life becomes a really, it becomes an adventure at that stage, you know? And, yeah. I, and I want to just say to anyone listening who's thinking, oh my God, that's a long way off. I want to say that sometimes it can be people with the most pain, even or the most worry that can have the most dramatic transformations. I do want to say that because you might be thinking, oh God, but I've just got, there's so much to look at. Well, then you've just got more opportunities for practice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you've just got more opportunities for practice. Anybody is capable of building a good relationship with themselves. They really are. I love the way you reframe everything. It's just <laughs> such great advice. And, you know, that's how you and I met, basically. We met through failing at Radio, <laughs> Radio Leeds. Yes. Show. So that's a, and I love that. And I don't see that as a failure. I love that opportunity. Met some amazing people, got some insight into how the radio works, encouraged me even more to keep going with the podcast. And... If you sit back and worry about things, if you never do anything, but what scares you now? What are the things that, that you do fear, but you still do anyway? But what are the things that you have to kind of do the work to, to make sure that you keep going? Yeah, well, do you know what? Recently, I was really thrown in the deep end, like doing, doing radio, doing something that I'd always wanted to do. It'd been such a big dream, like top of my list. You know, since I was a little girl, like I dreamed of doing like a radio show. And particularly radio leads because I listen to it all the time. And and um, I I then got an opportunity to do like an hour long special on radio leads. I the anxiety was so huge that there were many days that I was waking up with this like complete nervous system response of just like, oh my god, because it was. It's sometimes it's when we're getting our biggest dreams. Sometimes we expect them to feel good in the body. Great, great, which it does now, of course, because it's yes. on the other side of fear. But yeah. it felt so frightening, even though, of course, I was excited. Of course, I was elated. Of course, on a mental level. Oh, my God, brilliant. I felt so terrified. But I did it anyway. And I just, I started to, that's where I started to really go inwards and go, I have to surrender to this fear 
And I have to recognize that I don't need to get rid of the fear. And it's something that a lot of people don't think about when they're trying to deal with anxiety, they're trying to deal with fear, fear based mindset, whatever. I want to make it very clear that we don't have to get rid of the fear. Now, that might sound a bit radical, it might sound a bit off the wall, because everywhere is like, no, we need to get, release the anxiety, get rid of the fear, get rid of. No. We can work with the fear. We can do it in spite of the fear because I felt the fear. I felt the fear all the way. Do you know what I mean? But I did it. But I did it. And then, you know, it's been elation since. Even anxiety when I was listening to it. I mean, that's the most recent example. There's probably hundreds of examples where I feel frightened, you know, uh, you know, doing so many things that I, that I really love. But it's about doing them anyway and knowing that, knowing that, I'm able to work with those parts of myself that are in suffering, that I'm able to hold them and go, oh, this is hard. This is something new. And of course, you're frightened. I speak to myself in that way. I've had to learn. I've had to learn to speak to myself in a way and hold myself in a certain way. Oh, this, that feels really hard right now. You're really frightened. Your body's in, in a response right now. You're doing great and you can do it anyway. And let's not let this get in the way. And, you know, it's this relationship that we build with ourselves that it is priceless. It is priceless and it's accessible to everybody. It really and, is. And you were amazing and you would never have known, I've listened to it, you would, know, you would never have known that you were nervous about it. And you have to send me the link so they can add this to the show notes so people can listen to it because it was a great one-hour episode. And what I, I find really interesting about somebody like you, and this is something that we all need to bear in mind when we watch people on social media, is you're a singer. I've seen you, you know, you're on stage, you're performing, you, you've come across uber confident. That's, that's your kind of creative space to, to let it all out and you're fantastic. So then we all assume that seeing you do something like that means that you are uber confident all the time. But actually, everyone has their own insecurities that they have to get past and, and push themselves to do. Just because you see that you're out there singing doesn't mean to say that you don't have those wobbles. Absolutely. And it's about not listening to the fear as much. We feel it. It's that feel the fear, do it anyway thing. It's like, I felt terrified before I did, my last gig was in February. I was terrified. I couldn't sleep the night before. I felt terrified. It was just a gig at Seven Arts in Leeds, Chapel Allerton. It was the first gig I'd done since lockdown. And honestly, really, really terrified. Really, like, as in like, oh my God, you know, but, but just... <sighs> Taking the action anyway, taking the action anyway, and there is everything we want is on the other side of fear. It really mm. is. Don't don't listen to the fear as much. Obviously, you know if you some some of our fears great. Don't jump off that cliff. Yes, <laughs> but, but <laughs> unless you got a parachute on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Yeah. So, so, but but it's like sometimes we're gonna have to at some point we're going to have to realize that the voices that are telling us to not do something that we really would love to do that we visualize oh actually it would be nice if i could we sometimes have to realize that that fear is lying to us that we mm. are capable and this is why witnessing those limiting beliefs you know that are saying you're not capable is very 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 important crucial crucial work um, so what would be on your list now for the future? What is your kind of wish list that you are aiming for that you, that you know is possible, but you haven't got there yet? 
do you know what? I feel in a space at the moment where I'm really, really surrendered to, I, I'm really surrendered in like faith, trusting the universe to guide me mm. where I go. And I love so much doing public speaking. I just adore it so much. Like doing stuff like with you, just completely feeling my joy, completely feeling my element, like these collaborations. I yeah. love it. I love working with other people. I'd love to do more radio. I'd love to do more. I love to do more public speaking in the media. Um, and that's what really, really fires me up. And also I love doing my rolling out my heroes group work program. I want to reach as many people as suffering as possible because that fires me up so much. It, it heals something in my heart. And I really want the teachings that supported me to change my life. I want to dedicate my life to being able to reach other people with those teachings and share that healing. That's really what I want to do above all else. And I really trust the universe to guide me with that mission, that above all else mission of wanting to reach as many people suffering as possible. And that mission to be able to support the healing of others I believe that the universe is going to take me exactly where I need to go with that. And I'm not, even though I love doing it in certain forms, I don't feel, and it's probably for the first time in my life, that, that I don't feel attached to any outcome, which right. is remarkable for me. Because I used to be very much about, I need it to happen this exact way. And I want this yeah. exact outcome. And it, if that doesn't happen, oh no. And now I'm just like, okay, this, I, I'd like this. But it's a bit softer and it's like, if that doesn't happen, I trust. I yeah. trust. I trust. Come on. Bring, bring. I invite it in. I feel receptive and I feel in surrender to to the to the universe guiding. I know it sounds quite washy. I sound quite wishy-washy and hippy-dippy, but I do feel in surrender to, that the universe will guide me to the exact space I need to go to speak to the exact people that I need to reach with my mission to, to want to be of service to others in this life. And look what you're doing already, and I have no doubt that you will you will achieve so much more and reach so many poor people, which is so important. And you know, especially because of the the way that the mental health service is, we need people like you there that are championing and having other people's backs and doing the work that you're doing. So I love that. But how can people find you, Miranda? How can they find out more about what you're doing and the work that you're doing and the courses? I'm on all the socials. I'm at Miranda Ariay. Um, and you can always find me as well on the website, randaria.co.uk. And we've got the Heroes Network launching, which is all about my Heroes Group Work Programme, which is rolling out through the NHS. And that's heroesnetwork.co.uk. And that's going to be launched in the next month or so, hopefully, as well. Exciting. And if you could give somebody just one tip to start their self-compassion journey, what would it be? I'd say... recognize that self-compassion isn't always just about talking to ourselves kindly in our minds that there's a crucial element that is sometimes missed out of self-compassionate practice and it's about this common humanity element which means we spare a thought for all others going through the exact suffering that we are and the reason this works is because it's a thought of connection over disconnection the recognition that we're never alone with how we feel and allowing our hearts to move and root for the healing of others, to, to root for others to feel good too. It's an element that a lot of people miss and it really, really helps us heal when we when we root for others. It really, really does. So it's not just all about self, 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 self. Yeah. And, and I believe that's important when we talk about self-compassionate practice to also include that element of I root for all others going through exactly what I am right now. 
Thank you so much. Great advice. So my last question that I ask all my guests, liberty, free to be, what does free to be mean to Miranda? It means being authentic and being okay with being authentic and not abandoning the parts of me that that want to want to share my true self so not brushing them under the carpet but being able to embody the truth of the truth of who i am beautiful thank you so much i could talk to you for so much longer and you have offered some great advice and tips there so thank you so much for sharing and Keep being fabulous, doing all the work that you're doing, and I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much, Rachel. Likewise as well. Love all the work that you're doing. It's absolutely phenomenal and life-changing for so many. So thank you. Thank you. See you soon, hopefully. Thank you. See you soon, Rachel. See you soon. Bye. 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 So many great tips and advice there from Miranda. And just remember, it's, you know, self-compassion. It's not selfish to put yourself first and make sure that you are okay it's like that thing on the airlines isn't it when they tell you to when they do the briefing they tell you to put your own um, life jacket and oxygen mask on first because you need to be okay before you can help others and it's exactly the same that's how we should look at self-compassion we have to put ourselves first so that we can be okay to then have better relationships with all those around us so great advice and also i love the fact that we talked about you know fearing change fearing stepping out of our comfort zone fearing failure and the rewards once you have faced those fears can be huge and i know from my own experience that you know stepping out of my comfort zone on a regular basis has taken me and given me so many different experiences that i never would have had the confidence to do in my 20s and 30s and it is actually how i have grown and found this newfound confidence it's not from being a model necessarily and being in front of the camera. I found my confidence from having experiences, from traveling more, from saying yes to new opportunities, to standing on stage, even though I am terrified of public speaking. Once I'm up there, I'm fine, but the thought of it beforehand gives me real fear. Um, but you've got to push past that because the rewards on the other side, like Miranda said, are definitely worth it. So if you are sat on something that you know that you really want to change about life for you, um, then write it down. Think of all the things that you could do to make a small step start today. It doesn't have to be a big step, just take a step forward. That might be writing a list down of what you want to do, writing it down and putting it out there. It might be writing a list of how you're going to do it and what step you could take today. If you want to learn something, it might be that you go and research for half an hour on where you could go and learn it. But start today. You don't have to start big, but just start today because the more you do it, then the more you will take those steps forward and the fear will become less because you're actually taking action. The fear of not doing something um, scares me now more than the fear of, of doing it because I don't want to look back and think, I wish I'd tried this, what if? Because you just don't know what's ahead of you. So another great episode. I will be back next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to go and subscribe to the podcast. Um, it's available on all podcast platforms, so go and give a sus subscribe. Um, if you're on Apple, go and please give a review, because the more reviews the podcast has, the, the higher up the charts, and more people will be able to listen to it. They'll push it out more, and more women will be inspired and motivated, motivated by these fabulous stories. So go and subscribe. And also, in other news, we have the Liberty Free To Be t-shirts now on sale. So I will share a link in the show notes, but I am loving seeing people in the Liberty Free to Be t-shirt. So go out and get yours and share with me what free to be means to you. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.
Thank you for listening to the Liberty Free to Be podcast. I hope it's left you feeling inspired. If it has, why not come and join my free Step Out of the Bubble Facebook group? It's a safe space where you can connect with other women all at different stages of their midlife journey, supporting and inspiring one another. Oh, and don't forget to come and say hello on Instagram at RachelGrew1. I'd love to know what free to be means to you. If you're loving the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Your support is much appreciated. I'll be back next week, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.